Turn your Bibles to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. This morning we're going to be looking at God's commissioning of Joshua. As we will read the passage there to begin with, it starts off Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 through 9. We read, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. And be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you, wherever you go. You've probably heard of King Henry VIII. He was a well-known king of England from 1509 to 1547, but he was known as a ladies' man. He married six times, and during his life he also sired a number of other children to mistresses. The divorce of his first wife was the cause that brought about the English Reformation. And the outcrop, or the outflow from that Reformation, part of it was the um, creation or establishment of the Anglican Church, which in America here is called the Episcopalian Church. Once this new church was instituted, a custom developed whereby the bishops of this church would appear before the king on the New Year's Day each year to offer him a gift. Of course, during this time, Hugh Latimer, one of the English reformers and an advocate of having the Bible translated into the English language, was promoted to the position of bishop of Worcester, which meant that he had to come before the king on New Year's Day to pre present his gift. Latimer, of course, was troubled in his conscience by having to give this gift to this adulterous king who had no respect of marriage nor for Christ. But he had to appear before the king to give this gift. If he were to give a, uh, the, the standard gift, a, a bag of gold, as other bishops did, he would violate his conscience and seem to be supporting an adulterous sinner. But if he were not to appear, the consequences would be serious. He found himself in a situation where there seemed to be no escape except to compromise what he knew was right. What was he to do? He came to a decision with which his, his conscience was satisfied. He appeared before the king and he presented his gift. His gift was an early English translation of the New Testament. But... Before he presented this New Testament, he opened it up, he found Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, and he turned down the corner of the page on the page that verse was on. Hebrews 13, verse 4, in the authorised version, says, Whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Well, we may not be in the awkward situation that Hugh Latimer found himself in, but throughout our days, we find ourselves in difficult situations, don't we? And they require us 
to make difficult moral decisions, whether we're going to be strong and courageous to do what God is calling us to do, or whether we're going to compromise and do something that is contrary to what would please God. Sometimes these situations are our own doing. They are a consequence of decisions that we've made. It's a consequence of our own sin. Sometimes they are things that the Lord allows to come into our own lives for his own reasons, which are not revealed to us, as was the case with Job. But whatever the circumstances, God calls us to give an account for what he has called us to do. In these difficult circumstances, God wants us to recognize him as the author of those circumstances, to respond rightly by being obedient, and to react with him as the focus. To do these three things requires great strength of courage. And in the passage before us this morning, God calls Joshua to a monumental task. Not only has Moses just died, and God has called Joshua to lead Israel, But Joshua is to lead Israel in a series of major battles in which he will take the people into the promised land that God has given to them. And as God commissions Joshua to this task, he gives us three reasons why you and I will need to be strong and courageous when we face obstacles. The first one is to be strong and courageous to do God's work. Secondly, to be strong and courageous to keep God's law And thirdly, to be strong and courageous to fear God alone. Firstly, we to be strong and courageous to do God's work. Just like Hugh Latimer was promoted to this position and God had given it to him as a task to occupy in his life, so each of us also find ourselves in a situation that God has brought about for his own purposes. Joshua and the people of Israel have just spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. They spent 40 years in the wilderness, and then they spent just the last 30 days prior to this very commissioning, mourning for the very leader who had taken them out of the land of Egypt and led them through the land of, or through the wilderness and right to the edge of the promised land. Now on the edge of the promised land, there's this huge task in front of Joshua. He stands before a group of two to two and a half million people. They need a leader. The leader who they have, uh, who has led them has just died, as we've said. They have not seen the works of the Lord as the previous generation did. They were not in Egypt when God rained fire and killed the firstborn and you know, sent gnats and frogs and all sorts of plagues upon the nation. They never saw that. They never saw the Red Sea parted. They have, however, seen God's judgment on them. Even just six months earlier, they had the incident where the serpents were set forth in the camp and killed uh, thousands of them until Moses put the serpent on a stick. So they haven't really seen God working on their behalf, but they have seen God judging them. Not only is there two and a half million people, some of many of whom are grumblers and complainers, But in addition to that, the place where they're going, the land they're moving into, is populated with a people greater and mightier than them. Remember the story of the spies, when they came back from spying spying out the promised land, they were terrified. They said, we can't possibly take this land because these people are great. They have huge cities with great walls that we cannot possibly penetrate. 
And God acknowledged this in Deuteronomy 4.38 and said that this is a people greater and mightier than you that you will dispossess. This new leader, though he's not entirely unproven because he's been an assistant to Moses for pretty much all of Moses' time in the wilderness, he's not entirely unproven, but he's not been proven like Moses has been proven. He is new. And so when God says to him, you yourself will cause this people to inherit the land which I swore to their fathers, this is a big task. As a new leader, he's been given a task by God. It's God's work. Notice what it says there. It's you yourself will cause this people to inherit the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. There are two factors here at play. First of all, God's oath to give the land to his descendants is part of this. So God is God is a, is a task that he is working out. This is God's work. It's for God's purposes. This is Joshua is God's man appointed at this time to do what God is calling him to do for that whole nation. But secondly, God is also assigning this task to Joshua. The, the wording in the Hebrew is emphatic. You yourself will cause this people to inherit the land. So God is placing on the shoulders of Joshua this monumental task. And we look at our own lives and we think about, you know, we don't have to carry a load such as what Joshua carried. God is the one who gives us the tasks that we have, though, regardless of whether we are to be an employee or an employer or a husband or a wife or a father or a son or whatever our role is, it is God who gives us the place in life that we have. The writer of Ecclesiastes, even though he looks at life, he talks about the terrible business that man has to do, he also says this is the terrible business that God has given for the sons of men to do. So ultimately it's God who assigns us the place that we live, the time that we live in, the circumstances of our life. All of these things are often beyond our control. And God is working these things for his purposes. And we often think of ourselves as being insignificant in this. Well, my role is really not that important. Who am I? I'm not Joshua. I don't have leadership of two and a half million people to lead into the promised land. That's going to be recorded in scripture for thousands of years to come. And people look back on it and go, wow, isn't God great? We don't have those kind of roles. But then if we think about people like the 16th century mother, Susanna Wesley, she thought of herself as just a mother, just a run-of-the-mill woman. 16 children. And, but if we look back now and we see her life, it was significant. She had two sons, both of whom were important in Christian history. And their songs, their hymns, we still sing to this very day. But yet, she was an ordinary mother. So an ordinary person has great impact. And God has designed the circumstances of your life and the circumstances of my life so that even though we may not see their purpose in history, he is working out his purpose. And so the first thing that we need to do is to be strong and courageous to do the task that God has given to each one of us to do. For Joshua, it was to lead this nation out of the land of, or into the promised land. For us, it may be different. For us, it may be being a mother, being a father, being an employer, being a disciple-making man or woman in our church. Whatever the role is, it's going to take commitment. It's going to take thought. It's going to take planning. 
It means we have to be deliberate with our time, with our labour, with even our own blood and sweat. God is asking each of us, he has designed for each of us works to do. Josh, Ephesians 2 verse 10 says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. God has prepared beforehand the very circumstances of your life right now so that you can walk in the, in the ways that he has said, and this will require Discipline. This will require strength and courage. Each of us, in the circumstances that God has placed us, need to recognize that it's God who has put us there. It is Him who has determined the boundaries of our lives. We need to recognize that you yourself also bear the responsibility for accomplishing what God is doing in you. We also need to recognize that the task in front of us will require us to be strong and courageous. Just like it required Joshua to be strong and courageous, so it will also require us. Anyone who says that living a Christian life is easy is, is missing out big parts of the picture. It's easy to follow your heart, but it's not easy. But that's not, you know, following your heart is not following God's leading. It isn't evading Him. It's easy to change behaviour, but that isn't sanctification. It's easy to hide sin, but that's not godliness. It's easy to intimidate people. But that's not love. It's easy to be a coward, but that is the path forged by unbelief. Living the Christian life will take strength and courage. It will require us to make a moral choice about what we should not do and do something else. It will take courage to tell people about who God is and what he has done. It requires that we overcome the fear of man with the fear of God. It requires courage to be disowned by family or friends who don't want to know you because... Because you're a Christian, because you follow Christ. It will take courage to do what is right, even when it costs you something. It will take courage to be humble, instead of exalting yourself and allowing yourself to be belittled in the sight of others. It will take courage to love your spouse when they do not love back. It will take courage to reach out to the unbeliever when they care only for themselves. It will take courage to submit when you disagree with the people who God has placed over you. It will take courage to live and die for God alone and die to yourself. God has given you a particular, a particular task in your life. He has given you a number of charges, a commission, just like God has given a commission to Joshua, so too that he has given a commission to each of us. And for that commission we will need to be strong and courageous. Just as Joshua uh, not only is Joshua to be strong and courageous to accomplish what God has given him to do, he's also to be strong and courageous to keep God's law. You see, God has assigned Joshua a task to do, and he's placed that task on Joshua's shoulders, but he has not given Joshua the freedom to accomplish it however he wants. There are boundaries that Joshua has to stay within. Specifically, he needs to keep the law of God. It says in Joshua 1, verse 5, be strong, sorry, verse 7 rather, be strong and very courageous to carefully observe according to all the law which Moses, my servant, 
commanded you. The reason for being strong and courageous is in order to keep this law. He says, it's one thing to accomplish what God has given you to do. It's another thing to do it God's way. But that's what God is calling each of us and Joshua to do. This is interesting in the sense that this is one of the major themes of the Bible. If we look at the Old Testament and the Scriptures, we find three major parts of the Old Testament, uh, what we call the Old Testament. The first part is the law, which is the first five books up to Deuteronomy. Joshua begins the second section, which is called the prophets. Joshua is the first of the prophets. The third part of the Old Testament is called the writings. The first part of the writings is the Psalms. very first chapter of the, right, of the prophet's writing is an exhortation to keep the law of God. The very first chapter of the writings has exactly the same thing. Psalm 1 verse 2 says, Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. So as God is divinely and sovereignly orchestrating his word to be written, as he starts these new parts off, these parts will take you right back to the law, right back to the character of God as revealed in the law of Moses. This is to say that the prophets were responsible for keeping people in accordance with the law. The the writings are built on top of the law. Without the law, the, the Bible doesn't make a lot of sense because without the law, we miss out on a whole section of uh, who God is and why that drives us to certain uh, to do what we need to do. The purpose of the keeping of the law, though, is practical here. So the purpose of being strong and courageous for Joshua is this practical keeping of the law. This is the, the commandment. It's not to just... Think of, you know, just to say, oh yeah, I agree with the law, but to do it, to keep it. <clears throat> and we are in the New Testament now, of course. We are in the New Testament era, the church era, and, and it's very easy to have, we you know, we've probably heard arguments to say, well, we don't need to keep the law today because, because Christ has kept it for us, therefore we don't need to concern ourselves with it. Well, it's unfortunate that people think that. Because God has never said, I'm going to abolish my law. In fact, Christ said, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And then he goes on in John chapter 14 to say, if you love me, you will what? Obey my commandments. So there's this continuation of elements of the law, even to us today, that Christ intended us to keep. And here, this example of Joshua applies in that sense to us equally as it applies to Joshua. The focus there is to obey the law according to what God has revealed. We have that same responsibility. And obedience to the law for us is the key hallmark of being a Christian. If we remember in, in uh, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, It's obedience to my word that is the rock the house is built on. So we have a responsibility to be obedient to God's word. So just as Joshua was commanded to not turn from the law to the right or to the left, so too we also need to stay on the narrow way. In Matthew 7 it says, The gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. So that means that if we're going to set off on this narrow way, we cannot turn to the left and go off the track. The track is too narrow. We won't stay on it. But we need to stay on it if we're going to stay on the track that leads to life. It's like a one-way bridge. 
little narrow one-way bridge, you've probably seen it. Imagine a one-way bridge with no sides to keep you on the bridge. If you drive your car over it and turn left, you're going to come off. If you drive your car and turn right, you're going to fall off as well. This is kind of what the law is like, what obedience is like. It's binary. You're either walking in obedience or you're not. You're either walking according to the Spirit or you're not. You're either walking in accordance with the law or you're not. You're walking to please Him or you're walking to please the law yourself. You're either walking in the love of God or you're not. It's a binary thing. And so here's the question we need to ask ourselves. Are we careful to do all that God has commanded? Because that was the commission that God gave to Moses. Be careful, be strong and courageous to be careful to do according to all the law. Well, you might ask, well, why should I keep the law? What's in it for me? It seems like it's just going to make me into some sort of slave. Well, it didn't go without promises. God says, keep the law so that you may have success wherever you go. Joshua, I'm giving you a task. As you go into the land, to take the land and do as I've asked you to do, if you want to be successful, you need to do it my way. That is the way to success. And then Joshua might come back and say, well, how am I going to keep the law? So much. How can I possibly keep all of the law? Well, verse 8 explains it. It says there, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. The way to success, and the definition of success here is success in God's eyes. The way to have success in God's eyes is to live out the environment and the circumstances that God has given us His way. And this is exactly what God is saying to Joshua. He does it with a negative command and a positive command. He says, you shall not let this law depart from your mouth. What does he mean by that? Well, he explains it with a positive command, but you shall meditate on it. The word meditate there comes from the idea of murmuring, muttering under your breath. So you're not to allow the book of the law to depart from your mouth, but your mouth is to continually be uttering it, muttering it, meditating it. It's to be continually going through your mind and coming out of your mouth. Of course, to do this, you need to have it in your head. It requires it in your consciousness. And as you do this, then you will be careful to do according to all that is written in it. So if we want to know, how can I be pleasing to God? It starts with the Word of God. It starts with taking the Word of God and internalising it. And once we've internalized it, reminding ourselves of it, speaking of it. Isn't that what we're to do with our children? To speak of His Word day and night with the children so that they understand it. If we want to have success, this is the path to success. Not only is it, um, you know, that we will be doing the law by having it in our mind, but He says it there so that you will be careful to do according to all that is written in it. When we think about the, the sacrificial system, and, and Leviticus takes seven chapters, the first seven chapters of Leviticus, tell us all about those, those sacrificial commandments and how that would be taken up, you know, done and all that sort of thing. And we think, man, how would anybody ever do that? But the lesson here is that by meditating on it, you will do all of it. 
It wasn't that he was to memorise and think about as part of it, but all of it. To have all of it in his mouth, to have all of it going through his mind continually. And then, only then, he would be strong and courageous to do all the law. So not only is God saying to Joshua here to be strong and courageous to do according to all the law, but he's also saying this is how, to meditate on it, then you will be prosperous, which means you'll succeed in the little things. And then when you succeed in the little things, the overall success will be a natural consequence of that. It's difficult to do this, isn't it? It takes us discipline. It takes us discipline to read His Word. It takes discipline to memorize His Word. It takes discipline to meditate on it. It takes a commitment. It takes a moral strength. But this is what God says. Be strong and courageous to meditate on it, to think about it, to memorize it, so that you will obey it. And then you will be successful. So Joshua is to be strong and courageous to do God's will, to be strong and courageous to keep God's law, and finally to be strong and courageous to fear God alone. Verse 9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua is going because God has said to That's the reason he's crossing this river. That's the reason he's leading his people. Because God has said, I have commanded you. And so God has said, look, it's me who's commanded you. Why would you be trembling? Why would you be afraid? The word here, the the two negative words, to tremble and be frightened, the word tremble is the exact opposite of the word to be strong. In other words, don't be weak. Uh, It can also be... um, This word is used in the Old Testament... uh, Almost always negatively, except when it's used of God. When this word is used in relation to Yahweh, the God of Israel, it puts forward Him as the legitimate source to be trembled before. So God's saying, have I not commanded you? What else is there to tremble before? Be strong and courageous. And the word there for dismay, or some translations have different versions of that word, but the idea is to be dismayed, be discouraged or broken-hearted. This is the word used in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And if you remember there, Goliath comes. And he makes this challenge to the people of Israel. And you remember Saul? What was his response? It says there that he was, he lost heart. He was dismayed. He, was, he, he just completely lost it. It's the same word. Rather than losing the will to fight like Saul did, rather than being broken hearted about our situation, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, the wicked flee when no one is pursuing. And the reason that he could be strong and courageous is because God is with him wherever he goes. And this is a promise made to you and I as well. The author of Hebrews took this verse and he made it and he said that he made this to everybody. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you in Hebrews 13.5. And didn't Jesus say that I will be with you to the ends of the age? If God is for us, who can be against us? If it's God who's commissioned us, if it's God who's given us this task, how can we fail in it? 
we may not find ourselves in the same life and death situations as Hugh Latimer found himself in. But we can find ourselves every day faced with a choice to sin or suffer. And the suffering may just be the simple pleasures of sin. And we get to choose between the pleasures of sin or faithfulness to God. He's calling us. He's calling Joshua to be strong and courageous, to do God's work, the task that he's given us. God has given you and I a task, and we are to be strong and courageous to do that work. We are to be strong and courageous to keep God's law, to do it his way, so that we will be successful in his eyes. And we are to fear God only, to not be afraid when it gets hard, but to trust him. You know, when the great Chrysostom was arrested by the Roman Emperor, the Roman Emperor sought to make um, him recant, and they thought they would get him to deny the Christian faith, and of course he didn't. He was strong and stubborn in that. And so the Emperor discussed with his advisors, well, what should we do about this guy? Should I put him in the dungeon? And his counsellor said, "Uh, no, no, because he will be glad to go. He longs for the quietness wherein he can delight in the mercies of God. So the emperor said, well, should he be executed? <coughs> no, was the answer. For he will also be glad to, de- to die. He declares that in the event of death, he will be in the presence of his Lord. Well, what are we to do then? The ruler asked. There is only one thing that will give Chrysostom pain, the counsellor said. To cause Chrysostom to suffer, make him sin. He is afraid of nothing except <coughs> sin. Chrysostom had a high view of God that gave him a fear of displeasing him. He was strong and he was courageous in the midst of the circumstances that God had given him to live life out his way and to be successful in God's eyes. May we too, in the face of the circumstances God has given each of us, be strong and courageous to live according to his law and his pleasure so that we too are welcomed by him with the words, well done, good and faithful servant.